And it delivers the message that, wow, this sales guy, sales gal is different. They're, they're really taking the time to listen to me, to understand me. I feel like they actually care mm. about doing what's right. Because the foundational thing that we, we practice and that we teach is that you've got to have the right intention when you're making a sales call. And, and people always say, what do we mean by that? Well, you know, Deepak Chopra in his book, Seven Spiritual Laws of Success, once said, well, attention energizes. All right, attention meaning whenever you interact with a human being, right? When we got one the, the Zoom, when the video came on on our Zoom call, we got energized a little bit. And that and, and we're gonna get energized in either a positive way or a negative way, right? So attention energizes. But what transforms and what builds almost immediate trust out of the gate is your intention. And, and it's important to state your intention, but it's also, if it's really sincere, it's going to ooze out of you. It's going to be transmitted through your physiology, through your tonalities. Most of us never learned how to train our brains, which is why most of us needlessly settle, struggle, and worse, suffer. My name is Chris Doris, and I want to make brain training mainstream. This is my series, Tough Talks, Conversations on Mental Toughness. I'm interviewing badasses from all walks of life on what mental toughness means to them and their unique approaches to strengthening their minds. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Tough Talks, Conversations on Mental Toughness. I am your host, Chris Doris. And before we get to our amazing guest today, our typically, as, or as always, our one housekeeping item is if you're not getting the daily dose mental toughness tips in 30 seconds or less, delivered to your email inbox every morning at around 6 a.m. your local time, wherever you are on the planet, then that's an absolute atrocity and needs to be addressed and can be done so very, very uh, virtually effortlessly by going to ChristopherDoris.com backslash DD. ChristopherDoris.com backslash DD. Or if you want to sign up also to get my um, Tuesday blog posts and notifications of these new uh, Tough Talks podcast episodes, then you can go to ChristopherDoris.com backslash lists, L-I-S-T-S, and get on both lists. Simple as that. Name, email, boom. Goodies are all yours. Guru Ganesh Khalsa is a guy who I, he's our guest today, and I have been hearing about this guy, this legendary dude who's trippy, who seems like, like is a cartoon character, you know, who's got this incredible combination of skills and traits and attributes and his history is wild. He's arguably more, uh, I don't know, more is right, but he's as known for his music as he is for being one of the most sought after sales trainers in, on the planet Earth, particularly in, in tech. I'm going to read you some of his um, some of of his bio. So, Guru Ganesha Khalsa, executive chairman and co-founder of Conscious Selling, which is ConsciousSelling.com, is considered by many to be the most sought-after sales trainer in the global tech universe. 
Ganesh blends savvy New York street smarts, Eastern metaphysical insight, and mastery of consciousness selling's consultative trust-building sales methodology in an electrifying training style. His unique brand of sales edutainment is generously spiced with hilarious, uplifting stories garnered during a colorful 45-year sales, sales management and sales training career. He's coached tens of thousands and trained tens of thousands. He's worked with you know some of the biggest companies. Salesforce is one of them. And, you know, Salesforce has been one of my biggest clients in, uh, ever. And that's, I, that's I, I believe that that's where I initially heard of, actually, it's David Earhart who initially told me about um, Guru Ganesh and David Earhart has, uh, was one of our earliest guests here on Tough Talks. So he's got, you know, Guru, he's just a cool dude, man. He's like, he, he's old Burger. He, he's a baller. You know, he's really into, uh, he's really a huge sports fan. He loves basketball. You know, his partner, Frank Garza, at uh, ConsciousSelling.com. Frank is the father of Luca Garza. And if you're an NBA fan, then you know his, uh, you know, Frank's son, Luca, plays for uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves, badass center. And, uh, and I want to talk about that relationship, actually, because Guru has done some work with him, you know, um, which we'll, I hope, I, I'm sure we'll get to, because it's amazing. Um, so the guy is like this famous musician. He's this famous sales trainer. He, you know, was born Michael something or other, and then he was met this Indian guru who gave him the name, you know, Guru Ganesha, and uh, and he, you know, he wears a turban. He's got a long beard. He's adopted the Sikh uh, faith, and, um, and he's cool as shit. You know, I've spoken to him several times on the phone because we had some scheduling challenges in setting this up and it was truly beautiful like you know he he postponed i postponed twice and uh we finally got it together together today and um and it was just really he was so perfectly gracious the entire time he just kept saying good we're good man everything's good in fact the time is even better you know and, and he says i trust that everything's unfolding as it should and when somebody says stuff like that to me i'm like i i, I, I this guy is my boy so i'm pumped to finally be able to connect with him uh, to finally see him, we've never seen each other uh, live, and I'm excited to share him with you. So with no further ado, let's go find the man, Guru Ganesh. Where are you at, brother? Found him. There he is. There he is, folks. The legend, Guru Ganesh Khalsa. I'll tell you what, man. It is so good to finally meet you. Uh, it's so good to finally meet you in person. In person. At least now we're two dimensions, right? We had the audio. We've had some great phone conversations. Now we add the video. Yeah. And at some point, we'll be blessed. We can share a beverage together in person. Uh, I'll look very forward to that. Let's please do commit to having that occur. I, you know, when I started working in the in the tech industry on the mental game, I don't know, fifteen years ago, it didn't take long for me to hear of you straight away, hmm. straight away from multiple sources. So you really are a legend. In, in well, you know, if I do a bad job, they never forget me. You know, because some now, if I do a good job, they also never forget me. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Luke, man, what a good program! So, so I, you know, in preparation for this, a lot of times what I do is, you know, I take some notes and I go search it and read all your stuff and stuff. And I like typically make a list of like, you know, what like an order that I think maybe the our interview could take the flow i don't adhere to it rigidly but it gives me some structure 
Uh, and and I, I was not able to do that with you, man. You know, well, I, I'm glad you didn't because, uh, you know, I have a very serious case of ADD. And regardless of how organized you are, we're going to be going off to all, all right, sorts then. of. Good. There's there's just too much cool shit about you. And I mean, we could talk music. We could talk, you know, conscious selling or, or, or sales. You know, um, we could talk psychedelics. We could talk India. We could talk about spirituality. We got all, so many. In other words, that that's how old I am. By the way, yesterday was my 73rd birthday, oh, you know. So. Oh, happy birthday. Thank you. I'm 73 years young. I still feel very youthful and vital. Man. And uh, hoping to have a couple of more decades left to hang out with all of you. Well, I was looking at some pictures of you today on Ganesh Live, and apparently you're in phenomenal condition. So um, I saw that back stretch. Well, you know, at this point in life, I, I have to do that stuff just for maintenance. Because you know how gravity is constantly compressing the vertebrae in the mm. spine, you know, especially mm. down in that sacral region. And if you haven't got some way to counter that, you're in pain. Amen. Roger that. Well, you're doing a little bit more than maintaining. Okay. Cause that's some serious well, fishing. I, I'm trying. And I, you know, I, I encourage people to exercise so important. You know, I took my wife on her 70th birth, birthday recently to a Diana Ross concert. Oh, how which cool. was fabulous. She's 79 years old. And at one point, right before she started to rock out, she says, she said, folks, at 79, you gotta move it or lose it. Yeah. And you know, that works for 73 too. You got to move it or lose it. So I've been doing more dancing, you know, to like to the Grateful Dead and oh, Rolling Stone. Nice. I've been Child of the 60s. I've been to a few shows. I've been to several shows, dead shows. Yeah, man. And uh, I, I love just moving band. without being self. Huh? You were in an acid rock band? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I had, we were kind of patterning ourselves after the Grateful Dead. And this was from 69 to about 72. We had about a three, three and a half year run. The band's called Cat's Cradle. Mm. And, uh, you know, we had our moments. We opened for the Allman Brothers uh, early when they weren't as famous as they've gotten. That's amazing. Oh, that was fun. Oh. And then uh, I won't give you all the details because they're a little R, R plus rated. And then um, we are R plus here. Janana. Ah. Remember those guys with I the do, home? I totally opened remember. for them. Yeah. And one of the, the greatest honors of my life was when their saxophone player got excited during our set. You know, we were opening. And he just walked out on the stage with a saxophone and started jamming with us. I'll never forget that. You know how there are certain moments you never forget? Yes, yes, yes. That's one of them. That's and... Uh, yeah, so I had a rock and roll band, and uh, we were an acid rock band, and I we tried to live up to the genre's name. We we were even dropping acid before rehearsals. So after three and a half years and about 150 to 200 LSD trips, I was looking for some answers, you know. My my, my brain's got a little bit scrambled. That's and a lot of stress, man. <laughs> I ended up, you know, I joke at the beginning of my sales training classes, people are looking at me like, geez, they hired the Ayatollah to do sales training. I said, look, there's an easy explanation for this. You got to understand my father's Russian Jewish, my mother's Irish Catholic. I took a little too much LSD in college. 
This is what happens. <laughs> and they usually laugh, especially in Texas. I get a real they really like that joke in Texas. And then from that on, it's downhill from there because oh, he's a regular guy. He's not really a, a nut job. Well, let's let's get let's get some of this. So for those that don't aren't familiar with you, <clears throat> what's your story, man? Oh my God. Well, I was I was born Michael Gonick in uh, Boston, Massachusetts, September 1950. And like I say, my both my mother and father were in show business. They were entertainers. And in fact, my father during World War II enlisted in the USO and ended up uh, uh, doing some shows with Bob Hope. And uh, remember the USO and they were entertaining troops on islands all over the place. He loved that. Uh-huh. That job and uh, and and the and the soldiers were so grateful for entertainment. And then my mother was also uh, you know an off Broadway star, and they they got married three days after they met. And he was thirty, she was twenty six. She had a guy who was building a house for. I know this may reflect poorly on my beautiful mother, but she just fell head over heels in love with my father. He on stage, they were in a show. And he asked her to marry uh, marry him on stage. And she said, wait a second, those those lines aren't in the script. You know, he said, no, yeah. I mean, it. and I want all the audience to hear it. And she said, you know, no way. But three days later, they went to Lexington, Kentucky and got married. So I came along a few years after they got married, grew up in uh, uh, Natick, Mass, 18 miles west of Boston. And uh, went to high school there, played baseball in high school right until the coach threw me off the team for arguing with him. Oh. And then went from being a jock to a head, you know, because back then you were either in high school, you were either a jock or a head. And uh, and I took being a head seriously. I mean, we started, uh, you know, uh, smoking plant medicine, you know, when I was like a sophomore in high school. Plant medicine. That's what it was called. Well, it may not have been medicine then, but it's medicine now, you know, yes, it is. <laughs> and uh, anything to take the edge off aging, the aging process, you know. So I actually use a little of it. I don't smoke it. I just uh, I get my daughter grows me some special stuff, grinds it up, puts it with coconut oil. And I have a little bit every day and it just takes the edge off some of the physical pain of aging, you know. The, the normal stuff, knees, hips, lower spine, and the yoga, the, that combined with the yoga. And I'm functional. Nice. Some days I'm more than functional. All right. So then I went to Clark University in Worcester, Mass., which was a, sh- a shrink school. It's, it's, it's famous for being one of the two schools that Sigmund Freud visited in the early 20th century when he came right. to America. Yeah. So I got very neurotic. If you've ever read anything about Freudian psychology, you know, and when you're 18, 19, learning this stuff, you you start to believe you have every single ailment that he's talking about. Right. <laughs> so I'm very nervous. Uh, and um, then after three and a half years, I just serendipity ran into this yogi from India. Where? And, uh, uh, you know, it, it was no accident. I don't believe in accidents. You know, I was, you know, there's a uh, Lao Tzu, the great Chinese philosopher, once said, when the student is ready, the teacher will manifest. 
And Vivekananda said that, Yogananda said that, but Lao Tzu also added, though, when the student is truly ready, the teacher will disappear. Mm. In other words, the teacher's job is to just help the individual realize that all the wisdom of the universe is stored in each heart. Mm. Everybody's got this great internal GPS system inside that you have to get in touch with. You know, mm. One of the main things we teach in our sales training course is how to develop calm confidence. Because that's, you ever hear the word gravitas? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially if you're selling complex, big dollar technical solutions where there's multiple people involved on your side, multiple people involved on the prospective client side. They need somebody calm and confident to kind of manage the whole process in a way that's in the best interest of both parties. Mm. So that's one of the things we teach. So one, you know, most of our biggest clients over the years have been uh, high tech companies that sell complex, big dollar business to business technical solutions. Although my new program, which is starting October 11th, called Ganesh Live, is the first. C to B, I mean, or B to C, I'm sorry, business to consumer, it's open not only to corporations, but to individuals. So that'll be fun. Yeah, we're definitely going to get to that. We're going to, I want to talk, I want to ask you about that and, and explore that deeply towards the end of the conversation. That's, I don't want to be too shameless in promoting this program. Don't worry about it. We're going to promote the hell out of you. So <clears throat> where did you meet this guy from India? Well, uh, First, I'm sitting in a in the uh, student union at Smith College in Northampton, Mass., which is a famous woman's school. I don't know if it's still just women's, but it was then. This is like 71. My band was hired to play Cat's Cradle. We were hired to play a mixer there. The, the gals at Smith had invited all the guys from Holy Cross and Worcester Polytech. And where the band, so after student, after sound check, I'm in the student union. I had already kind of switched from being a heavy meat eater, beer drinker, to being a vegetarian, just on my own. Somehow I got inspired. So I'm sitting there eating one of those Dan and yogurts that has the cherries on the bottom. Very delicious. And all of a sudden, somebody's walking around carrying a flyer. And a voice came out of me and said, I'll have one of those. I even look back, it was like, my God, you ever have that experience where you say something and it was like, like where'd that said come from? through you, yeah. not by yeah. your ego. Yeah. So the person is walking around, turns towards me, starts walking towards me. And it's the, they're holding an eight and a half inch flyer. And there's this picture of this intense looking dude, big white turban, long black beard, blazing eyes. And it said classes in Kundalini Yoga as taught by Yogi Budget. Now, Yogi Bhajan has since become a very controversial figure, but in his early days, he was one hell of a good yoga teacher. And he took a whole bunch of hippie, drugged out hippies, and taught us how to feel great without the drugs. And uh, so I I got involved in the Kundalini Yoga community and um, ended up in Washington, D.C. in an ashram there. And we had a vegetarian restaurant. This is 73 now. And of course, has one of the new recruits into the organization. I got the best job, which was the dishwasher, you know? Yeah, of course. I I was in the corner with a big sprayer washing dishes. And then uh, 
But uh, over time, and I was still trying to maintain my relationship with the band. And uh, we had just serendipity right when I got heavily into the yoga scene, we landed a record contract with Pierce Southern Music, who was one of the players back at that time. So I went uh, to New York to record with the guys. This was a dream come true. Mm. But we were in totally different parallel universes at the time. They were still, you know, it's funny because I started getting up four or five every morning to do a couple hours of yoga. They were just going to sleep. And I was trying to give up all the drugs and they would wake me up and they say they called me Fly Mike at the time. Oh, I didn't have I the like name. That. that was before the yogi gave me the name Guru Ganesha. Okay. And they would wake me up in the morning. I, I mean, I had my alarm would go off and then I'd open my eyes and they, the band was standing above me trying to get me to smoke a huge doobie. And I'm like, get out of here. I'm like, I'm trying to clean my act up. That was so good. So in any event, after a couple of months, uh, you know, the record, we recorded about a month. I just realized I just couldn't be in that environment anymore. You know, because let's face it, you kind of end up being very much like the people you hang around with the most, right? That's why it's important if you're a young professional salesperson to hang around people that are gonna, gonna, you know, talk the right talk and not transform you into the typical pushy, obnoxious, self-serving, overly convincing salesperson. Mm. Mm. So my God, I hope I'm not uh, this story. I, I, this story could go on for hours. I did a podcast the other day. It was supposed to be an hour and ended up being over three hours. So Woo! I drank probably a little too much coffee before we started. <laughs> You're doing great, man. This is good. I'm in rapture. Yeah, so then things evolved, and uh, I, I basically came full-time part of the spiritual community, and got we, we had businesses, too, that we were using to support ourselves. We had vegetarian restaurants. We ended up, and because our waiters and waitresses were wearing Birkenstock sandals that they were ordering out of a catalog, and... And once they started wearing those sandals, which have, you know, sh you know, cork footbed shaped like the foot with arch metatarsal support, they were in a much better mood because this restaurant was busy. We were making food, healthy food from scratch every day. Oh. So the customers started asking about, hey, where do you get those crazy looking sandals? So that kind of the heads of the community at the time who were very good entrepreneurs said, huh, maybe we should look into this found out this this guy in Germany was the founder of Carl Birkenstock invited him to America we we made him beautiful meal after meal after meal and before you know it, we landed the exclusive eastern distributed to the distributorship to the uh, Birkenstock sandal and oh. guess who they decided should go out on the road because we needed to sell 100,000 pairs a year to maintain our exclusivity in the east Wow. And somehow, you know, I had an outgoing personality, as you can see. Somehow they thought, well, maybe Ganesh. By this time, Yogi Bhajan had given me the name Guru Ganesh. Most people called me Ganesh. And they said, hey, Ganesh, what about that? What do you feel? I thought the sandals were cool. I was wearing them myself. And before you know it, I'm on the road with a couple of cases, cold calling. I sold those shoes in about 23 states east of the Mississippi. I don't even know if there are 23 states, but that's the story I've been telling myself. <laughs> and uh, and uh, 
we we met our exclusivity before you know it. Then we decided, hey, we tried to talk Carl Birkenstock into making a closed shoe with those footbeds because most of the states in our territory are more cold weather. Yeah. You know, and sandals, you know, three, four months a year thing. He refused to do it, although later after we did it, he started trying to do it. But we started our own company called Shakti Shoes, and I became coupled me and a, and a buddy of mine became the main sales guy. Shakti Shoes I sold, they were kind of ugly shoes because to uh, to have a covered shoe with those footbeds in there, it was they were big. And let's face it, people don't like big shoes that look like earth shoes, right? Remember the earth shoes? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but, you know, I was struggling, although I did land accounts in about 39 states. I went on this massive, by the way, if you can cold call and just talking to strangers all day long, you're worth your weight in gold. Not too many people can do it. Mm. They don't realize the secret is to have a bad joke ready the minute you meet the owner, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and if he chuckles, he'll let you sh- yeah. he'll let you show him your shoes, you know. But when I got into California, people are going, these are great. We love these. And I said, you like them, really? I called up the boss and I said, hey, man, they love the shoes here in California. He said, well, you better find yourself a place to live. So I ended up living in California. And then later on, one of my clients had developed a whole software system. And, uh, 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 you know, it's computerized retail management system for shoes, for soft goods, for goods with uh, uh, sizes, shoes, clothing, sporting goods. And he said, Ganesh, we really like I was their salesman selling them footwear. And he said, what do you think about selling our computer systems out there in the West Coast? We think that's fertile ground. And I said, well, you know. You know, I, I'm not sure I can sell. I'm not a technical person. I'm not sure I can sell something that starts at 40000 bucks a store, which is what it was. I'm selling footwear that was $12, $13, you know, a pair wholesale. Yes. Uh-huh. I said, no, Ganesh. In any event, so I, I did both. And I, and I was struggling. My first year trying to sell the systems, I only sold one system, which enabled me to keep my job because there were 16 reps and three of the reps hadn't even made a sale. So just the fact that I made one, then the boss had gotten into Sandler, you know, he had crossed paths with Dave Sandler, gone to a seminar and thought it was incredible because we were trying to do sell these computerized management systems, the traditional way, which was demo, 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 then overcome stalls and objections, and then try to use one of Freddie Pryor's 44 ways to close a deal, you know, the impending event close, price goes up on Monday close, all the old closes. (laughs) And so my my boss at the time, Mahan, said to me, hey, man, you got to go, I'm going to send you, I'm going to pay you to go to one of these Sandler seminars, because I think we're doing it backwards. This is what he said to me. And uh, I said, I'll I'll go. You're paying for the seminar. There was one in San Jose, California. It wasn't Dave Sander. It was one of, he had a handful of guys he had trained. It was this little guy named Carl Bronowski. Gets in front of a group of about 55 people show up. They had a good mailing campaign. It was all through mail. And he walks in the room. He's got his shirt is hanging out here. He's got shaving cream still on his face. His hair is a mess. 
everybody's looking at each other. This is the sales trainer. <laughs> but turns out it was, that was very disarming and he was great. And it changed my life going to that seminar. Because said, how many of you, it was all just tech salespeople because we were in Silicon Valley. He said, how many of you are giving demos the front end of your sales process? 55 hands go up. He said, I need you to stop. No more demos. Well, if we had rotten tomatoes sitting in a basket, uh, right, this right, guy right. would have been pelted. Uh -huh. But he had my attention because I'm thinking, okay, man, I was only I was one for 90 last year. I gave 90 demos, only sold one system. Yeah. And the system I sold, I didn't even give the demo. My predecessor had given the guy the demo. So I, I was open to a, a way of selling without demos. And uh, I, I just took, you know, like a fish to water to this consultative approach. The idea being is to create a role reversal, facilitate a conversation where they basically have to convince you instead of you convincing them. Hey, because let's face it, Chris, the typical salesperson doesn't mm -hmm. even realize it, but they're in, in, in all sorts of little subtle ways, maybe not so subtle ways, they're triggering triggering off the negative stereotype that the typical buyer is carrying yeah. around because of all the bad experiences they've had with typical pushy, obnoxious, self-serving, yeah, over-aggressive right. salespeople. What is it that you are, okay, so you need them to convince you of what? Well, first off, that they have challenges in an area that you might have a solution, all right? They they need to acknowledge or start talking about, give you some details around these challenges. Yeah. I'm just going to really make this brief. And then secondarily, once you get those details, uh, the typical sales, even consultative seller gets excited and says, oh, I can help them with that and starts presenting. No, I call that premature presentation syndrome, salesman's disease. Nice. Yeah. The next step after understanding challenges, understand the history behind the challenges. How long have they had those challenges? Are the challenges getting better or worse, staying the same? If they've had those challenges eight, 18 months, what have they done in that 18-month period of time to address those challenges? It's a great question to ask people. And what if they say nothing? Mm. Because, see, they have to convince you not only that they have challenges that you have a solution for, but that finding a better way to address those challenges is a high priority, not just to their business, but to them personally. Why? Because one of the guiding principles of conscious selling uh, that, you know, I, I've uh, that, uh, you know, come, we've been we've developed our own intellectual property that I think is next level is every step of the way, there needs to be a mutual level of commitment. And you can't force your buyer, have you noticed? You can't force your buyer to be as committed as you are to taking next steps. Mm. But you can find out if they have compelling reasons to take those next steps. And that's where, so you're, you're understanding the history. Now, from a historical standpoint, what if they... They're either going to tell you they've done nothing, at which point you might want to start moving towards the door. Ah, so so these are issues, yeah, but they haven't been high priority issues. So perhaps we should revisit them when they've become higher on your list of priorities. 
Now, when you're willing to move towards the door like that, what do you think, Chris? Are you more or like less likely to get an honest response? Yeah, you're way more so because you're not needy. And one of my former, one of my mentors, right? My coaches, one of my former coaches, Steve Chandler, uh, because you're reminding me a lot of him in terms of the way he coaches coaches on how to build their practices. And he says, do practice the warrior's code, die before going into battle because needy is creepy. That's exactly right. Because that, that's part of the stereotype. And even we sellers have had bad experience as buyers. Yeah. You know, and if yeah. you think back to those unpleasant experiences you've had with sellers, always because they were too pushy. They were constantly pitching. They didn't listen. And you knew you into they were you could tell they were almost desperate. And your intuition told you that they were trying to get their needs met. Yeah, and that's a repellent. Not necessarily your needs, man, whenever. I mean, that, that goes for personal life, too, right? Yeah. And if you're a yeah. single person and and you go to happy hour, same, same, same story, you know? Yeah, needy is creepy. <laughs> needy is creepy. Yeah. So this is good. This is good. This is a perfect segue. You know, I, I didn't let you finish the entire story, but I think we're getting to the point now. So now, you, you know, you got into Sandler and then you started your own gig. So let's talk about what you've been doing. So you, you and and your partner, Frank Garza, yeah, also great to me. And then, by the way, I forgot to mention uh, in the very beginning, I did mean to do that. I want to give a shout out and I'll do it again uh, to the reason we even know each other. The, the wonderful David Earhart. Oh, and David joined our team about six months ago. And the guy is such a class act and and a great really cares about his clients and they know it. They know it, and he's off to an incredible start with us. Well, I've known David for a very long time. He actually hired me to coach him out of his own pocket. He didn't even you know, try to get the company that he was working for at the time to – he didn't want to waste the time to try to see if he could even get them. He's like, no, nah, I'm, I'm, he's so committed to his own development, and he's become a dear friend over the years. So we, you know, our professional relationship has transcended – also to a personal one now. And I love the dude and I'm really grateful. He's one of the first people he might be. He, he, I think he is the first person that ever mentioned your name to me and has mentioned it about a hundred thousand times over the years. Well, interesting enough, I'm, I was honored to find out. Uh, he kind of reminded me that he was uh, a student of mine back in the nineties when I was doing a pile of stuff for BMC software in Houston, Texas. And, uh, he uh, was actually one of the key key guys that approved the deal that brought me in, and for oh, you know. Cool. My, uh, uh, but in any event, uh, yeah. he 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 embraced. You know what he told me back then? He said he thought ninety five percent. I was with Sandler back then. He said ninety five percent of what I was teaching was spot on. But then when he got exposed to the new conscious selling stuff, he says, "Ganesh, you you got it. You fill that gap and more." So uh, yeah, that was yeah. great validation from a, you know, a professional like David. Yeah. So shout out to David Earhart, who, by the way, was one of my very first interviews. One of my very first interviews ever for this podcast, David Earhart. Do you happen to know the name John Hunter? John Hunter. J-O-N Hunter? Yeah, man. You know. Yeah, right. man. He brought me into several of his companies over the years. Okay. I know Earhart because of Hunter. Right. So John and I are also super close. And he was my very first interview ever. So wow, anyway. man. We run we run similar circles here, yeah, Chris. Yeah, we're in a good time. I knew we were gonna have fun. I knew yes. that. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. So let's talk about conscious selling. All right. So this is your your jam, you and Frank and and a few other people, including David. Uh, what's it? What's the story? And now uh, Ross Morgan up in the Toronto area has been with us for five years, doing a oh, fabulous. Yep. <clears throat> Beautiful. So what? What's uh, why does conscious selling exist? Well, you know, uh, I think that there are a lot, a lot of, uh, you know, senior VPs of global sales for uh, tech companies and uh, that, uh, you know, maybe aren't uh, CROs, directors, frontline sales managers that aren't necessarily happy with the level of selling skill of, of their folks. Now, and, you know, uh, Salesforce has been one of our biggest clients for many years. And their model was perfect for us because they decided they were going to bring in super bright young people right out of college who had great personal presence. You know, because let's face it, your personal presence is the most important thing in professional self, right? It's the emotional impact you have on your fellow human being. In a face-to-face -face meeting, sometimes before you even open your mouth, you know, yeah. Yeah, your yeah, eyes, yeah. Your yeah. facial expression, your how vibe. You the vibe. So they were very smart in that they were hiring people because that's hard to teach. Although we help, we help people become develop what I call calm confidence. I like that, and 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 so that, and it's something that's almost invisible, but you see it through the physiology, you hear it mm. through the tonality, mm. the choice of words is important. Mm. And it delivers the message that, wow, this sales guy, sales gal is different. They're, they're really taking the time to listen to me, to understand me. I feel like they actually care mm. about doing what's right. Because the foundational thing that we, we practice and that we teach is that you got to have the right intention when you're making a sales call. And, and people always say, what do we mean by that? Well, you know, Deepak Chopra in his book, Seven Spiritual Laws of Success, once said, well, attention energizes. Right? Attention meaning whenever you interact with a human being, right? When we got one, the, the Zoom, when the video came on on our Zoom call, we got energized a little bit. And that, and we're going to get energized in either a positive way or a negative way, right? So attention energizes. But what transforms and what builds almost immediate trust out of the gate is your intention. And, and it's important to state your intention, but it's also, if it's really sincere, it's going to ooze out of you. It's going to be transmitted through your physiology, through your tonality. So Here's the intention I suggest a professional seller have going into a call is that I might say to you early on, maybe you uh, uh, on the front end of the meeting, I might say something like, Chris, I understand you saw our promotional material and you want to have a comment, but let me tell you right up front. I don't know yet if we're right for you. We're not right for everybody. So with your Blessing and permission, I was hope. I know we have, we still have 45 minutes. Yes. I want to be sensitive to your time. And um, I just want to be sure you're comfortable with, you know, with how I'd like to approach this meeting. 
was hoping I could take maybe the first 20 minutes and better understand what's going on in your world and particularly in the areas where we might have a solution, you know, what's working, what's not working, what your biggest challenges are in the areas that we address. And if you need me to kind of give you a little one minute overview as to what we address, I'm happy to do that. But I suspect knowing you and your organization, you've already kind of been online and have a good sense of it. And, um, and my intention, and I suggest that we only consider doing business, Chris, if we're both convinced it's the right thing to do. How do I, you know, that that could all be faked. Yes, that could be faked. And that's why I'm saying yeah. you have to mean it. So, right. You, you have to really mean it. Because otherwise, you know, if that's I, detected, that's even worse than anything else. Yeah, because I tell people because you're being completely fraudulent. Well, you know, a lot of times, uh, you know, people think sales training is designed to give the seller a manipulative edge over the buyer. Mm, mm, You know, and mm. even the early Sandler stuff could get misconstrued as to we're trying to train you how to have a manipulative edge over the buyer. But in conscious selling, it's right out front. Hey, if you can't have the intention that you only want to do business if both parties are convinced it's good for both parties. This has got to be tough for people that are struggling a little bit financially. Well, they may be struggling a little bit financially because their intention is not spot on. True, but at the same, right. And if they're worried about money, it's hard. Look, I, I'm speaking, I'm not going to say they, I'm saying me, I'm owning this because this is my history. It was hard for me to build a practice. It was real hard for me to Understood. build my practice when I was worried about paying my goddamn bills. Like I got a bit. How the, am I supposed to be needless when I don't even know how I'm going to pay my goddamn mortgage payment? That's right. Well, see, so that's the challenge. Yeah, it's because actions are a manifestation of beliefs. For you to be sincere in the intention that I'm talking about, which is what your highest angels, right? The better angels of our being, you know, that's in sync with your essence. Uh, But you'd have to believe that if you sold the way that I'm suggesting, you'd be more successful, wouldn't you? You have to believe that. And how do you, right, so that's big, that's what's so fascinating about the work that you're doing. I love it. Yeah, because, and I don't tell people, hey, I don't want you to believe me here. Mm. Try Mm. some of this stuff. Test it out. Have an experience. Yeah. You know, and then if your experience is positive, and I'm I'm confident it will be, but, you know, don't call me back after one call. 100 calls applying this stuff. Oh, that's a good point. Keep track of it. And uh, I think that, you know, and if you haven't developed the conviction, even by t- after ten calls, that you're going to be much more success, uh, much more successful selling consciously, then don't keep doing it. Even our new program for an individual, it's like fifty-five bucks a month, but there's no bullshit fine print. It's like you can cancel anytime because I don't want anybody in the program that doesn't 
believe they're getting a great return on their investment. That's why I say, hey, try it for one month. The end of that one, and you'll know, you'll know if this is something you want to do long-term or not. Mentioned belief a couple times. I read it also in your uh, on your website somewhere. And um, what, how do you get somebody who's been trained in another methodology, like really characterized by scarcity and getting and manipulating for your own gain? That's the priorities. Your gain to trust the. Well, you know what? Mm. A great question. When companies bring me in, oftentimes the sellers in the room have had little or no say in it. You know, you know, whatever their internal decision-making process is, a lot of people will hire us because they've decided they want to implement a common sales methodology throughout their organization so they have a common language. And if there's a, you know, a four-legged or six-legged or eight-legged sales call, everybody knows their role and responsibility, when to talk, when not to talk. Of course, the more... The more complex your solutions are, the, the bigger the amount of money involved, the more, you know, the, the, you've got a lot of moving parts. Sometimes yeah. you've got multiple people on your side involved, multiple people on the other side involved. You really need to have a system hmm. that people, otherwise, you know, selling cycles for even selling a half a million dollar, you know, uh, software solution could run hundreds of days sometimes. So what we teach people early on is anything that could cause this deal not to happen, our selling system causes it to emerge early. Mm. Because if there's slim or no possibility of a deal happening, Chris, when do you want to know about it? Yesterday. A year and a half in? Or would you like to know about it? Maybe uh, within a, you know, want to have one and two conversations with some key stakeholders and realize, yeah, they may need what you have, but it's a low priority right now. So you're not going to be able to get them to walk side by side with you. You're going to constantly be dragging them, kicking and screaming to the decision making altar. And they're going to be like the runaway bride, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. <clears throat> but okay, so what keeps coming back to me though, even then, it's like, yeah, that makes sense. Of course, I want to know if there's a little to, or slim to no chance. I want to. I don't want to waste anyone's time, theirs or mine, right? But but also, there's still if I have fear, if yeah. I if I have fear in me, I'm not believing that yes lives in the land of no, and I'm not believing in abundance in this moment. Well, of course, you know where the fear comes from. It means you're not in the present moment. You know, our mind is on this continuum. Yeah. Past, present, future, yeah. present, past. Sometimes we feel we have no control over where the thought waves are going. Uh, so this is why we've incorporated. I've been practicing and teaching meditation for almost 50 years. And it's a power. If you're going to be a consultative seller, which means you're doing no more than 20 to 30% of the talking throughout the selling cycle. You need to be calm. Because if you're too hyped up, you're going to be... as nice. That is nice. And, uh, you know, just telling somebody, yeah, you need to be calm. If my tone is soothing, that helps them relax. 
But I teach people a few simple breathing exercises. One one that's called the one minute breath, where Can I get them it? to slow. Yeah, because the average Can human brain, huh? Can we do it? Sure, man. I'll guide you through it. You ready? Yeah, and man. Sit nice and comfortable. Feel all. Let me the finish tension. my. Let me finish my. Let me. I'm gonna get totally present with you. I want to finish my note. You need to be calm because that was a great sentence. You need to be. Okay, good. All right. Okay. I'm with you. Go. All right, so I want you to take your attention and bring it from the outer. In fact, the folks that are watching can do this along with us. Yes. You know, or not, or not. I'm not attached. So I want you to bring your attention from the outer world to your inner world. And I and I want you to start bring your mind from the past, the future. You know, the past is a place where you, you know, obviously it was a lot of learnings but there's a lot of regrets there. And then the future is a place uh, that's uh, too much thinking about it could uh, produce a lot of anxiety. But when you're in the present moment, all of a sudden that anxiety level is reduced slowly and systematically. So we're going to take your breath from where you're taking the average human being when they're when they're, when they're just doing normal things, they're taking from about 12 to 22 breaths per minute. They're moderate depth, not deep, not shallow. Of course, when a person is stressed out, they start breathing more rapidly, more shallow, and their breath rate could get up over 30. But I want you, Chris, to rest your awareness in your breath right now. Just become aware of your inhale. In fact, just for fun, you could use a little mantra. While you're inhaling, mentally vibrate the word here, H-E-R-E. And when you're exhaling, mentally vibrate the word now, just here, now. And let the breath, each repetition become a little longer, a little slower, and a little deeper. Just inhaling here, exhaling now. The more you can get into the present moment, the calmer you'll get, the less anxiety you're going to feel about the future. You can make peace with the past, give it a big hug, accept it as a, the great teacher that it was, the great preparation that it provided, letting any regrets dissolve and just be here now. Now I'd like you to add something. After each inhale, I want you to hold the breath for a comfortable amount of time. Now, when you're starting this, it may only be five to 10 seconds. So I'm going to inhale longer and slower and deeper, then hold the breath for a comfortable amount of time, and then slowly exhale, and then hold the breath out for a comfortable amount of time. This is a four-part breathing. Now, generally, when people start doing it, that full cycle can take 20 to 30 seconds. Well, Let's say it even took, it took 20 seconds, almost five, 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 for example. Well, now you're breathing at a rate of three breaths per minute. You went from perhaps 15 down to three. And as you get better, more proficient of this, your inhale is going to get longer. Your hold is going to get longer. Your exhale is going to get longer. Your hold out is going to get longer. And the other magical thing, and this Harvard research has done studies on this, is that as your breath rate, your breath becomes deeper 
and you're taking fewer breaths per minute, your mind will start producing fewer thoughts per millisecond. So you ever heard the expression overthinking? Well, when people get really stressed, that's that's what the mind will do. It's if you're taking 30 breaths per minute and it's shallow and you're feeling stressed out, well, your mind's going to be freaking out with so many thoughts per millisecond that you feel out of control. Well, where are you going right now, Chris, is a place not only you're going to feel calmer, more relaxed, more fully present. You're going to have fewer thoughts, and most of them are going to be higher caliber thoughts. Because mm. the mind is a thought machine that produ produces a spectrum of thoughts that ranges from literally demonic to angelic. But recognizing that you're not your thoughts, you're not your mind, you're not your body. I believe you have a soul. And the essential nature of your soul, when you're fully present, fully linked to your breathing, is peace. Your essential nature, Chris, is peace. So allow yourself to feel that peace. And that deep sense of knowingness that everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay whether you make this the sale on your next sales call or not. You're going to be okay. Have you missed a meal involuntarily yet? <laughs> All right, now, if you could, just let's slowly start to come back. Maybe rub the palms together, create a little heat in the hands. Take a few more rapid but deep breaths. Big inhale through the nostrils. Exhale out the mouth with a force. Inhale deeper, stretch the lung tissue. Exhale out the mouth. And last one, big inhale, hold the breath. Stretch the lungs, inhale a little more. Hold it, hold it. And exhale. How you feeling, Chris? Warm, chilled, chilled out. Yeah, man. So I do this exercise with people. They have a conversation yeah. before the exercise. And they kind of tune into the other person's, without talking about it, but just tune into their physiology, the sound of their voice, the words they're saying. And we do this five, I did this at Salesforce for years. Yeah. They loved it. This was their favorite part of the training. <laughs> then, then they have a conversation after they've done this for five minutes. And then I start asking, how many of you noticed a difference in the after conversation versus the before conversation? Internally, in terms of how you felt inside yourself, and also in terms of the physiology, tonality, and words mm. of the partner. And it's so fascinating what people say as, oh, I felt more relaxed. And then the person playing, uh, the other person would say, yeah, yeah, their words were penetrating, were resonating more deeply with me. You know, it's it gets transmitted. You cannot fake calm confidence. You can try. What did you call this uh, breathing exercise? 
the one minute breath because the, the goal is to get to where the four parts cumulatively add up to one minute or more. Now, Frank's son, Luca Garza. Yeah. Who many folks out there know, you know, my business partner, Frank, he, who's our he CEO. He plays for Minnesota Timberwolves and he's a badass. Plays for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, and uh, for the last five years, about approximately three hours before every one of his games, you know, he was National Player of the Year at Iowa. Uh, he got the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Award as the best center in the nation. He was consensus All-America two years in a row. But the NBA was thinking, oh, you know, yeah, Luca was has, was a great college athlete. But, you know, he's not athletic enough. His vertical leap is not where most of the other folks are. His speed maybe in the 40-yard dash is a little slower. But you know what? So here's the story. Sophomore year at college at Iowa. He had gone four games in a row where he scored more than 20 points in a row. And articles are starting to be written about this sophomore at Iowa. Then he started to feel, he even said, you know, he started to feel the pressure of the expectations because there's new expectations when you start doing well, right? All of a sudden, everybody's expectations go up to here. And, and so he was feeling that and he also had a horrific sprained ankle. Mm. This literally it swelled up twice the size of a normal ankle. He's in Ann Arbor, Michigan, about to play. Is that University? I'm trying to remember. Is University of Michigan or Michigan State? I think it's University of Michigan. And this was kind of a key matchup. You know, they're both they're both rated in the top 25 in the nation. And he's worried that he can't even play. But uh, Frank had suggested to him, because I had been teaching Frank meditation for years and helping Frank a lot, to his son that, hey, maybe you should consider, you know, maybe doing a meditation before the game. So three hours, we scheduled it. He had a window of time. We did a 20-minute meditation like that. And I added a few other things. Also to strengthen the electromagnetic field that surrounds the physical body. There are cameras called Kirlian Photography can measure Kind of the energy. Wait, 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 what, what kind of cameras? I want to get that. Curlian, K I R L I A N, photography. So okay. there's some people think it's just woo woo, you know? Yeah, yeah. But it was it, man. Everybody's got an energy, subtle energy field that surrounds their physical body. And you can actually, they're actually breathing pranayama, breathing exercises that strengthen it. Now, if you're an athlete having a powerful, strong magnetic field that extends out 20, 25 feet means literally when you move, people are feeling you hitting him in the chest before you even hit him in the chest. Hmm. You know, and Lucas, you know, he's a post guy who can also shoot the three. So we did the meditation at the end. He said, wow, thanks. Thanks, G calls me G because my first name, Guru Ganesha, five syllables, a little much for most people. He proceeded. I'm feeling really good. He proceeds to go out and set the scoring record for that stadium that had, I think, Magic Johnson played there numerous mm. times. Scored 44 points, had about 18. Re he was dominant. Now, regrettably, Michigan had a little too much firepower. And Luca didn't get a, a – he usually got a lot of help from the guards, but he didn't get a lot of help. So they it was a close game they lost. But Luca was phenomenal. And he experienced himself in a new way. And, you know, ever since we have not missed one game. So mm -hmm. he went from sophomore year 
His he ended up averaging about 15 points. Then his junior or senior year, we I'm not yeah, I don't want to take I'll take a little credit for it. But so you're saying that you pregame with him for every single game. Pre-game with him, not every practice, but every game. Okay. He was just playing for the Boston Olympics. And, and, and like how soon, how far in advance of game time do you do this? Well, you know, the closer I always tell them, the closer to game time, the better. Okay. But you know, they got a pretty tight yeah. schedule. You know, right, shoot right, around. Right. So it's usually when he's playing for the NBA, it's usually about three, three, three and a half hours. You know, he's had a two-way for a while, so he's played in the G League where he dominated. He averaged 32 points in the G League in 15 games last year. We get to do that closer to game time because, you know, it's going to have an effect, but it starts to wear off after a while. And I want him to, I want him to have that calm confidence in the fourth quarter, too, you know. Mm-hmm. But he's also learned when he's starting to feel ang- anxiousness sitting on the bench. Cause if you, you know, when you're playing, you're not as anxious as you are sitting on the bench waiting for your number to be called. Yeah. And he's learned how to, he'll just sit and do one minute breath just while he's watching the game, you know? And the other thing we're doing is we've expanded his lung capacity considerably. I would hazard to guess if it got measured, he has the greatest lung capacity of anybody in the NBA right now after five, wow. six years of working, which means in a four, and that's why Luca needs minutes because he's unlike a lot of guys who are tired in the fourth quarter. He gets stronger in the fourth quarter because of his wind capacity. Wow. By the way, I predict he's going to have a massive year. They're not going to, you know, he's going to end up in a full roster spot with Minnesota by early January. And I think he's going to crush it. He's crushing them in their, you know, the pre-camp drills and so yeah. forth. Yeah. Awesome. But now with sellers, I, I suggest before an important call, you're not going to do it before every call, but you got an important call with a lot of money at stake. Yeah. Turn on Chris's video here and go to that little segment. That's beautiful. You know what? If, if it's cool with you, we're going to have my team create a snippet of that exercise. Check with Frank. He's our intellectual okay, property I'll check guy. With, uh, Frank, all right. He's the CEO. I'll check with I, Frank. I, I, if it wasn't for Frank, not, we I couldn't just want to look. I hope I send billions of people your way. I just want people to benefit from that because I, you know, I've done a lot of breathing exercises, but I don't do them like that. And and the words, the language that you used was spectacular. I'm, so I'm just in my job. I'm just a facilitator. I, I don't. You know, a lot of times when people do this stuff and they have an amazing experience, they think I'm their spiritual teacher. Or something? No, I'm not your freaking spiritual teacher. You're your own spiritual teacher. Right. I just facilitate. I'm a delivery boy. Exactly. I'm the me- I'm a messenger. Yeah. And reason you're liking it, it's resonating with your soul. Yeah. Right. All right. We have a few minutes left. Let's talk about the new jam. Ganesh well, the new jam. Hey, I think it's really important that as a prof- young professional seller, and by the way, it's, this program is not just for young professional sellers, although I've been working with so many 25 to 40 year olds over the years because they got great personal presence. They're brilliant. They just need a system because part of what we give people is a methodology. You know, we give them uh, like you do a mindset, a winning mindset, which includes mental toughness, resilience, you know, 
And I strongly, I went over through your programs. Boy, you're, 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 I would strongly push some people who want more, more in-depth mental toughness work to, you know, to do your programs as well. But it's very complimentary to what we teach. Very much so. So we have, uh, you know, I call it the 3M uh, uh, triangle. There's winning mindset. Then there's messaging that resonates. And then there's methodology that delivers, you know. And this methodology, and I and I I challenge people when they come to our programs, is truly designed to be in the best interest of both parties, mm. which means you'll you'll quickly move people from being defensive because this is the majority of salespeople they're dealing with this all the time. Yeah, buyers have had negative experience right away and they know you're in sales and I don't think you should be lying about it. You should say, I'm a sales rep and this is a sales call. If I fill you full of excitement and anticipation, now the other person laughs, say, hey, look, I don't know yet if we're right for you. With your permission, what I'd like to do is maybe give you a quick, maybe 30 second overview, ask you a few questions, see if you feel there's anything we're doing worth exploring. Are you comfortable taking, say, 10 minutes if I honor my commitment here? That's on a cold call, something like that. Because in a cold call, you got to do a little talking early on to disarm the other person, right? Yeah. Uh, and almost most people will agree to hear the 30-second commercial. Now, that's where the messaging comes in. We teach people how to build what I call a pain gain sales readiness toolkit. Where you're, you know, and it's... Oh, and wait, it's wait, wait. Can you say that? Will you say that over? A what? It's called... We call, I call it a pain gain sales readiness toolkit because think of this man there's one of three reasons people buy anything Mm -hmm. you buy me buy anybody one is they're in pain and they want to get out of pain Mm. or they're in trouble and they want to get out of trouble i call that pain 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 you know Mm -hmm. two is they see trouble coming and they want to avoid it remember y2k everybody was scared shitless about y2k yeah so Second reason people buy is they see trouble coming or they believe trouble's coming and they want to avoid it. Third reason people buy is they see something out there they don't have and they're starting to believe, wow, maybe I'd be more productive, more effective, more profitable, you know, if I had this product, service, or solution. That's called gain. Madison Avenue studied it, Chris. I'd say so they say 70, 75% of every dollar, even business to business, is because people, organizations are in trouble. They're in pain. They've got problems. And the problems have reached a threshold and they need to get out of that trouble. That's easy to sell somebody bleeding right now. So in any event, one of the things that we do with our clients, help them build a toolkit. They, people don't realize you need it. Like, for example, let's say I'm selling to VPs of worldwide sales for tech companies that do $500 million to $10 billion a year. All right. So to create this toolkit, we could take a few more minutes if you want. You can cut out whatever you want. So I want them, I want to sell my client to imagine, oh, you got a room full of VPs of sales of the, for the kinds of uh, uh, kinds of organizations that are your your sweet spot, your best demographic. And they're having a gripe session about the kinds of trouble they're having in the area where you have solutions. Get them to finish the following sentence. I'm sick and tired of. Mm, mm, 
Yeah. And then they might say, uh, my app's not being available 100% of the time. Okay. And you develop three or four. And by the way, that's that set of pain. And then you on the gain side, well, if their pain is that their apps are only available 93% of the time, let's the other side would be, let's pretend you came to believe there was a system out there that could help you be available 99.9% .9 of the time. I don't suppose that would be a value. Oh, that'd be great. Well, how much, how would that be, how would that impact your business? Because remember, I was talking to you about the commitment meter early. Challenges, historical data. Well, there's two more, there's a few more parts of that. Third part is economic impact. They've got to convince me that they their challenges are having a sufficient business financial impact, usually in a negative way, that they're going to be able to cost justify your solution. In other words, we're going to get the cost justification wheel turning early in the first 20 minutes. So many tech salespeople are, haven't even discussed ROI or they have some, you know, uh, some generic ROI study that they want, uh, you know, that 90% uh, of their prospective clients aren't going to believe anyways. So they have to learn how to facilitate their prospective client quantifying the business financial impact. Mm. That's called building value into the deal until they've convinced you if you can help them develop the conviction that you've got the best way, you've got the, the best solution, they're going to be able to cost justify your price. So we teach people how to reduce discounting to an absolute minimum. And then then the next step in the commitment meter is finding out where does finding a better way to the, to address these challenges rank on your list of personal priorities. Because guess what, Chris? People do things for their own reason, not necessarily for their company's reason. Mm. Fair? So mm. I want to cover both of those. I can't tell you how many folks over the years I've run into had issues that my, you know, I told Soul Tech in the 80s. When I was, you know, and uh, I had so many times where people had pain, 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 costing them hundreds of thousands of dollars and did nothing about it hmm. because I didn't drill down to the personal level and find out if they had any skin in the game. Did they give a shit about it? Yeah, right. So it's a comprehensive methodology that mm -hmm. turns our sellers into calm, confident facilitators where the prospective client is convincing them not only that they have challenges, but that finding a better way is a high priority to their business mm -hmm. and to them personally. And then you just need to give a brief high-level solution overview that gives them the hope that you have the right solution. And then you can co-build an outcome plan with them that, that defines the most effective, efficient way to get from point A, where you are now, to point B, where they have what they need to the right people to be able to say, we'll buy it or we won't buy it. Common sense, Chris, that's painfully uncommon in sales. Mm, mm, mm. So how does someone, because there's people listening to this going, I love this dude and I want to know more. Uh, how do they hire you? How do they work with you? How do they get trained by you? Just go to, go to ConsciousSelling.com. Okay. And it's spelled, yeah, sometimes there, there there's the two S's are there. 
the la the in conscious there's a, a, an s that ends the word and then in selling there's an s that begins the word yes. so don't think a lot of people do conscious selling they forget to put in both s's there dot yeah. com and it's all there just click on ganesh live the program by the way it's not just going to be me i'll probably do Every Wednesday, 12 to 1.30 Eastern is part of the program. Yeah. I'll probably do about 40 of the programs, but uh, David will do some of the programs. Yeah. Frank will do some of the programs. Ross will do some of them. Each of them will have their own button. Mm-hmm. And uh, corporations can have their own channel, which is just for them. So we do a live session, immediately gets posted and titled. And, so, and there's already on there, hundreds of hours of old training programs that I gave Yeah, I see. back that. when my beard was brown. Uh, <laughs> that's called, that's the vintage Ganesh. Vintage, cla- vintage. Oh I- God, look at that picture. There's all these people. <laughs> you guys, this is hysterical. Here's some nice pictures here. There's a bunch of people dressed up like you with fake beards. Oh, that was Tony Redoni <laughs> at Salesforce, you know. He uh, brought me in and they fell in love with the methodology. And before you know it, I showed up at a gathering and they had, a, you know, yeah, it was right. a little spoof on me, which we all yeah. had a, a great that, laugh over. That was pretty great. So consciousselling.com and there's a button on there at the top, <clears throat> Ganesh Live. Yeah, try a month. It's 55 bucks. And, yeah. uh, and if you don't have the conviction that's going to make a huge difference, then uh, cancel. And, you know, it, it's really, simple. really easy to cancel. Because you want to hang around with people. They're also going to get to meet a lot of other conscious sellers, very successful people who uh, use this kind of consultative approach. Mm. That's that's, you know, uh, that builds trust every step of the way, builds more and more rapport and helps both parties determine early whether to invest their valuable time, energy and resource, even to do the due diligence. Beautiful. And they get to hang out with Frank and I and David and Ross. And and that's worth the price of admission alone. So uh, thank you for the work that you're doing, for the vibe that you bring to the world, right? For making time for me and my Tough Talks tribe to share your humor, your story, and your expertise and wisdom. Uh, is there anything that we missed? Uh, what? <laughs> Well, uh, I mean, I there's so, say, so there much any, we could talk I, about. I, I so say, much. Is there anything that we didn't cover? Is there anything like that that's really important? Take a second and see um, if anything that you want people to well, know. I just want about. to mention uh, uh, my partner a co-founder yeah. and CEO, Frank Garza, who's the father of. And there's a reason that Lucas has become a great basketball player is because his father is a great trainer. Mm. I mean, he took his kid who was a clumsy guy in junior high school that, you know, turned him into one of the most talented basketball players on the, on the planet. Mm. And they have the most amazing really. Now I'm part of team Garza too. So I'm enjoying that. But Frank is a great trainer. He can really help not only deliver the message in a fun way, but he knows how to work with people, work with a client, work with a sales team to help them to own it internally. I'm good at getting them to drink the Kool-Aid at the beginning because you have to have the conviction that if you own this, it's going to make a big difference, but you're, you're not going to own it right out of the gate. So 
In fact, all three of my colleagues are great trainers and they're great at doing the front end. Frank, uh, uh, Ross in Toronto and, uh, and David. David. Boy, and David. It, yeah. And if so, if they join uh, uh, live, uh, 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 Ganesh Live, even for one month, they'll also get to meet my incredible colleagues. And we're going to be adding some more colleagues soon. We got some, oh, yeah. we got some great folks. We got a, a, a couple of young ladies who are phenomenal that will be joining our team soon. You can't Very just cool. have an all-male team when women in general are 16 times more intelligent than we are. So Amen, we need brother. kind of firepower on the team. Good for you. Awesome. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you. Okay, man. Hey, thanks for helping us share the good word. And please let me know of anything I can do to help promote your wonderful services. Thank you, brother. I'm very, very excited. I've got some new tools now. I'm stealing those. Sorry, G. But I'm stealing some shit from you, man. <laughs> That's where I've gotten all my stuff from great people like you. Yeah, I'm going to be working that breathing exercise into pre-games with people. That is spectacular. And um, the the one-minute breath exercise. And I, I cannot wait to look up this curly and photography apparatus and research and stuff that measuring your energy field. You know, as you, you know I've said this a million times. <clears throat> um, one of my great mentors, one of the top influencers in my life, Soul sister, dear friend, former business partner, Doc Alley, Dr. Allison Arnold, also two-time former guest on uh, Top Talks podcast, has one of the million things that she's taught me is this. We are always either purifying or polluting the world with our vibe. You know, and, and he, so that's a beautiful gift, and, and he touched on that. So, uh, and he's got, he's got a hell of a good vibe, doesn't he? So... It sounds like he's got a great product too, he and Frank and and, uh, and colleagues. So the web, the main website is ConsciousSelling.com and the newest program is Ganesh Live. And it's it's on that website. It's pretty obvious. There's a button at the top. Just click Ganesh Live. Seems like a pretty damn reasonable fee, right? To, and, and there's no like you know weird obligations, no long-term crap. So 50, 55 bucks a month or something like that. So, um, I suspect that that's amazing because of, uh, if, for no other reason, the, 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 the power and the integrity and the, and the, and the experience, and the excellence of the people involved. So, uh, thanks for tuning in. And as always, until next time, create miracles. Mm -hmm.